Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Clever Girls Know podcast. This is Bola Shokumbi. I'm the founder and CEO of Clever Girl Finance. The Clever Girls Know podcast is a podcast for women, offering a space for conversations around personal finance, business, life, and living. I'd love for you to subscribe to this podcast, and you can do that everywhere you listen to your podcast episodes. And if you love what you listen to, head on over to iTunes and leave a review so that other amazing women just like you can find this podcast as well. I'd also love for you to stop by clevergirlfinance.com. We have new content on the blog multiple times a week. We have over 30 plus free courses. Plus, when you sign up for a course, you can talk to a Clever Girl Finance mentor for free to get encouragement, motivation, or if you just want to have an open, no shame, no judgment girl talk. Finally, check out our YouTube channel. Just search Clever Girl Finance on YouTube. And if you don't already follow us on Instagram, you can find us at Clever Girl Finance. Okay, so let's get into today's episode. Hey, Olivia, welcome to the Clever Girls Know podcast. Oh, thanks for having me. I'm so excited to be here today. I am excited to have you here to have a conversation with me to talk about money conflicts and how to avoid money conflicts that lead to divorce. Um, going through COVID, if you've been paying attention to the news and the statistics, relationships, breakups, divorces, those things have gone up. Um, a lot of it has to do with having your issues really come to light because you're spending so much time together. And money conflicts are one of those big issues. So Olivia, I'm excited to have you to have you here to have this conversation. And I would love for you to introduce yourself to everyone. Tell us who you are and what you do. So thanks again for having me here. I'm Olivia and I started my, I founded my firm just specifically during COVID to help women with divorcing issues, with questions around their finances and helping them maintain their lifestyle during and post-divorce. So this topic today is going to be great because in COVID world, we're seeing such a rise. Like you were saying, everyone's together and we're seeing a rise in people having the conversation about divorce. And it doesn't always need to lead there because the money issues can be fixed in a relationship. So let's get started with some questions because I'd love to answer anything anyone's here is uh, having questions on. Yeah, and I love that thought process that money conflicts don't always have to lead to divorce. And you know, the truth is that money conflicts are part of relationships. I have money conflicts with my husband every now and then. Um, are we divorcing? No. And so if you find yourself in that space where you're just in this constant struggle, it's becoming difficult. Um, we're going to learn from Olivia what we can do <laughs> to avoid a divorce and instead deal with the conflict and manage through it in our relationship. So Olivia, one of your focus areas as a CFP is guiding your clients through divorce to come out with a good financial footing. So you do both sides. You help people avoid the conflict and then you also help, you know, relationships that cannot be resolved on the other side of the divorce women to get their finances back together. I would love to know if that stems from a personal story. Did divorce impact you in one way or the other? Oh, so starting with CFP, because I don't know if listeners, I, I wouldn't know what that is. It's a certified financial planner. So it's just kind of the gold standard of financial advising, wealth management. We just want to help people get to their financial goals. So I'm a CFP and I'm also a certified divorce financial analyst to help women and couples in divorce 
uh, with their finances and why I got into that. That's a great question. Uh, it <laughs> divorce impacted me massively growing up. So I came from a very wealthy family. My mother was a stay at home mom. She was devastated throughout the divorce process, not knowing where assets were intimidated. I had to experience that as a child, seeing it, um, power and money. It was not a positive light for me. And so I got into finance to control my own financial destiny. And I wanted to help other people not have the same mistakes that I saw growing up. So divorce really, I think it's kind of a circle coming back to now I'm only working with women in divorce because I think it's what I saw in my childhood, how bad it can be. And I want to make sure that doesn't happen to everyone. Yes, divorce can be hard, especially on children, young children who don't really understand what is happening. But the work you're doing is important, helping women get through divorce. Growing up, I saw a lot of my mom's friends just really face difficulty navigating life after divorce because like your mom, they didn't know about the assets or understand, or they couldn't leave the relationship because they had no other options and they had to ride it through. So um, what you do is so important. So let's dive into, you know, the topic. And we know that divorce can happen for a variety of different reasons, right? There's all kinds of reasons that can lead a couple to choosing to divorce, but money is one of those top reasons. So what are some of those major money conflicts that you see leading to divorce that people are experiencing? So Bola, you hit it right there is money is one of the top reasons why people think divorce is the best option. It's just a money conflict. And if you are in a situation where a lot of couples are, especially during COVID, the biggest thing that I can say and the biggest takeaway for people listening today is making sure that you build your confidence within the money arena by just talking about it openly about your fears, your frustrations. If you're not understanding and you're feeling intimidated, just open, open up, say that, because that's one of the things we even see in a recent study that 87% of educated women in a relationship still hand off all of the financial responsibility to their spouse or significant other partner, because they think that he, the male and the relationship is better at the finances. And I have to say that that's not true. They've done other studies that women actually are really good at it if they're asking the right questions. So I think key is being open, building that confidence slowly, but either being open with your significant other and saying, Hey, I just, I want to understand our finances a little more. I don't even know where the accounts are. That's a big one that I get people asking me is, I don't even know if I can divorce. I don't know if I can do it on my own because I don't know how much we have. So understanding what you have, being open about that, gaining your confidence. And we'll talk a little later, I think about, you know, how to build that. You know, women are good at money and studies show that we are even better when yes, we have the exactly. information. Our challenge as women, if I can go off on a tangent here for a little yes. bit, is <laughs> our challenge is just the generational transition of information to us. And if we step back into our mother's age, our grandmother's age, depending on the age of whoever is listening to this right now, the traditional, and I'm going to pick one kind of traditional household, two-parent household with sons and daughters. The dad would go to work, come back, mom and daughters have dinner ready, 
mom and daughters pack up the dinner table. Dad takes his sons aside. They talk about business. They talk about his office. And mom goes into the kitchen with her daughters and she talks about homemaking and recipes. Everybody has an amazing recipe from their mom or for, them, for their grandmother. What was not normal for women in that era was it was never it was it was never deemed to be their place to be involved in financial or business matters right there were there was once upon a time where a woman could not buy a house or open a bank account or even vote right without a male entity in her life and so because our grandmothers great grandmothers maybe even our mothers were not did not have this generational transition of information it's hard for us because it's not normal. It's not our normal thing to just be like, yes, money, business, you know, unless we we are fortunate to have families that talk about it. But in many instances, many parents don't talk about this. Many moms don't talk about it, especially coming from that era. And so we have it upon ourselves, especially in this generation where many of us are um, breadwinners, single mothers, um, earning more than our spouses, choosing not to get married, et cetera, where we're making this money despite this gender wage gap. We're, we're getting our, our things together, but we need to be able to manage our finances. And so we are good with money. And I think once we are empowered to know how good we are with money, it makes it, it just helps us build that confidence, like you said, to be able to have those conversations, to be able to ask for the bank accounts, to be able to sit with your partner and make those joint decisions. So I'm off my tangent now. <laughs> I loved it though. I was nodding my head the whole time. I know that on listening podcasts, you can't see that, but gosh, everything you're saying, we could talk about forever. Yeah. So Olivia, you focus on behavioral finance, right? So basically the things that we do <laughs> that cause us, causes problems, whether for ourselves or in our relationship when it comes to money. And so can you break down some of the specific types of behaviors that can lead into a financial conflict uh, for a couple? Yes. So let's start with behavior finance. It's such a new term. It's going to be about a decade till we see it everywhere. But that's the area of study that's really focused on the psychological influences that predict how we're going to deal with market outcomes, which in layman's terms means we're all emotional with our money. Even if you think you're not, you are. So how that ties into financial conflict is everything's emotional. So everything you're seeing on the news that, oh, you see all these things go up and down with the market. You don't really know what the market does but you're gonna have immediately either fear, greed, overexcitement. You might have some anger. You might have some shame. You might feel like you want more power. You might be scared. You might feel like you're missing out. There's, there's impatience, patience, anxiety is a huge one. So it's all emotional. And that's really all financial conflict can be started with our emotions. And so I really dive into that with clients, but also just for listeners today, if you watch the news, that's great. I think the, the thing I want you to take away is just see if you're, be a little more aware and seeing if you're feeling anything when you watch them saying, oh, you can get into this stock now at this price. If, if that really, does that ignite anything in you? Just try to be aware of that. That is interesting, you know, and I definitely am emotional about money. <laughs> and Everyone is. Yeah, everybody is, whether you want to admit it or not. And I can imagine that when two people are trying to navigate finances, especially if you're not quite on the same page and the emotions come into play, 
um, it can be diff difficult to get past the emotions to get to the place where you're able to be objective about making decisions, joint decisions, or even disagreeing amicably um, because that emotion is playing such a strong part in the way that you, you are communicating with somebody. Well, let's take an example right there because I think this is a really important topic is, so let's do the fear of missing out. So that's an emotion that you think that maybe when you hear your neighbor say that they just made overnight so much money in the market or they did this and that online with money trading. So you feel like you're missing out. So you might get angry at your significant other for not getting invested in their neighborly thing as well. Or you might get mad at yourself. You might feel shame because you don't know what that neighbor is talking about. Anything that has to do with emotion is going to be financial, financial emotion. So it's just, there's so many instances in couples and relationships where one might buy something and then it goes down and you think in that relationship, you would have never bought it and had it go down. We can't predict the future and we also can't go back in time. So that's where a lot of the conflict starts in relationships. You're mm -hmm. blaming the other person with the finances when everything you can't predict. So sometimes another tip is take the money to a professional where they can at least have a conversation on what you're doing right and how you can change for the better so that it's not you conflicting with your partner. Yeah. You know, another example that I see pretty often is, um, for similar, similar to what you said with like people feeling that they've missed out on investments, this, in this instance, it's people feeling like they've wasted time. So for example, let's say one person in a relationship has sort of been focused on becoming debt-free and all of a sudden they keep hearing all these debt-free stories. We paid off our debt in two years and three years and five years and they get mad at their partner because they're like, if only you had participated, we would also have this same story, but you're here aggravating me because you don't want to do X, Y, Z. That's also something that I see commonly happening. Yes. Oh, that's a big one. Mm -hmm. Okay. So based on these, all the different types of conflicts that could arise um, tied to emotion and behaviors, what advice do you have for couples to minimize these conflicts from escalating into divorce? Because it's never just the first fight, it's not the one fight that is like, oh my God, we disagreed about the grocery budget, let's get divorced. It's not that, it's a buildup um, of minor plus major issues compounded on top of themselves. So what advice do you have for couples um, to minimize these issues? So I think the first one is clear communication. So the first thing that I typically hear women calling me in a panic, not knowing where accounts are, I think that's the first thing is communication with your partner on where are our accounts? How much do we have? Let's get clear together and communicate. So that's the first thing. Another thing that can help is using money apps on your phone together as a significant other couple to actually build on having technology help with your savings plans and automating all of your finances. Because Bola, I know if you're like me and anyone else is like me, I don't want to remember when the bills are due. I just want to automate because then there's no fight. There's no disruption in the relationship because we have everything ready to go. It's already doing it for us. So that's a way to avoid conflict is really using your technology to your benefit. And then the third, I'd have to really say to be successful and avoid escalation uh, within money conflict and relationships is like I was saying before is, is talking to a third party 
And I don't mean your best friends or your family members because they're wonderful, but they will give you most likely not the best advice because they're biased to their own beliefs and their own money situation. So I'm saying a third party, non-emotional person who's a professional that can help with the finances, even just a one-time conversation. I'm not saying you have to hire the most expensive person and have them manage all of your money. Or if you have only debt, you know, you really, it's still a good idea to talk to someone who's a third party if you're in a big conflict within your relationship with money. Yeah. And I think even outside of like a finance professional, like even like a counselor or. Yes, that's yes, absolutely. I I love talking about that with people as well. That's such a great point. I, there's so much stigma for that. I don't know why it's, you should do it. Even if you're in a healthy relationship, talking with someone about everything agreed. Yeah. I mean, for me, if I want to save my relationship, you, I can't care what people think. If you don't like the fact that I'm seeing a therapist too bad. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Oh but, my gosh. Oh yes. <laughs> so, so, you know, family can be, uh, I only tell people, you keep your relationship. I, don't tell me about your, we can be best friends, but don't re- rely on my, not that you shouldn't tell me, but don't rely on my opinion as the end all be all for your relationship because I'm not in your relationship. And sometimes, like you said, family members, friends, they have biases, right? There might be family members or friends that don't like your partner. And so what they will tell you <laughs> will not be helpful to helping you save your relationship. There may be family members and friends that have just gone through their own divorce and they cannot see how your own relationship can yes. be saved. And so what they will tell you is not going to help you save your relationship. So as much as you love your friends and family, and I think everybody kind of knows who these people are, um, not everybody is in, a, is in a position to give you advice when it comes to your relationship. And also you want to be mindful of who you take advice from, because like you said, Olivia, the biases that they have. Yes. And you even said, yeah, you were saying even if they don't like your significant other, well, they might actually say bad advice, not knowing subconsciously because they like your partner and they're, they're really, they're jealous of your partner. So they might, yep. They might try to break it up unknowingly, not because anyone's bad, but just this is emotions and money. And there's a lot of they yeah. may try to get you to stay because of keeping up with appearance. Yes. Wow, what yes. would everybody say if you guys, if it doesn't work out, if this, if that, you know, let's try to make it work. Just power through, power through. I hate that. Oh my God. <laughs> yes. And that's, that's power a through. huge one. <laughs> huge. Yep. Okay. So, I mean, you know, and like you said, communication is so key. I remember just going back to the early days of my marriage, combining finances, getting to know my husband or us getting to know each other on this other level. And he had a retirement account from work, not a standard one. And he mentions it in conversation. And I'm like, well, why didn't I know that you had the account? You know, in my head, I was like, oh, why didn't you tell me about this account? And he's like, but you didn't ask me what accounts I have at work. <laughs> I'm telling you now. What? I actually did not ask, you know, but that, that was, that could have been a big conflict. Cause I could have been like, well, why are you hiding accounts? And he could have been like, well, you never asked me, should I just come one day and say, oh, by the way, well, I hear all the accounts when you didn't ask me. So I think understanding that communication part part is so key. And also because you know each other's love language, you know how to approach each other when you're communicating can be very helpful. And so back then it really helped me think through, wait a minute, as opposed to attacking 
I could have asked. And I'm sure it helped him think through that. You know, she may probably assume, so I should tell. Um, and that has really helped us. Um, it really helped us in terms of just, you know, here are all the accounts. Every time a new account is opened, we both know here's a password, here's a login. It's, it's not, it's no longer a, it's not even a conversation anymore. Yes. And that's, that's a huge thing in relationships is you might be thinking what you think the other person's thinking, just ask because, and tell them how you're feeling. So that's where, again, the therapist can come in and help with that relationship and communication. And that leads to better financial communication together. I agree. And just to add to what you're saying, I think even finding ways to normalize the conversation with money with your partner, just making that extra effort can be so important, especially if you, one of you comes from a household where you did not talk about money or both of you come from a household where you do not talk about money, or you were taught that money is not to be spoken about, or, um, you know, one of you comes from a family where you always talked about money. It may not be easy for both of you or one of you to have a conversation, but if you can normalize it, right? So for me, sometimes, you know, as an introvert or a faux extrovert, I can struggle with communication. And so what I will do, like if I'm upset about something, I will just shut down totally completely. You're never gonna get through to me until I'm over myself. <laughs> That's how I operate. <laughs> like it is silent treatment and I will always win, let me tell you. But <laughs> If you want to have a competition around silent treatment, I will, oh, I guarantee you I'm going to win. But, <laughs> but what I've learned to help me counter myself and save my relationship during my silent treatment moments is text message. <laughs> See, technology, this is wonderful. <laughs> I will text my husband sitting right next to me. <laughs> and he's like, but I'm right here. Silence. <laughs> Oh, I have one client who actually talks through the dog to the significant other. So that's oh another tactic. I am not a counselor. So talk to someone who's professional, but I do like your tip right there of the technology and the phone. Use yeah. it if that works for you guys. <laughs> you gotta find what works. So, you know, those are great tips. Thanks for sharing your, your own thoughts. And, you know, so let's say this relationship is just not working out, right? And money, there's other factors that tie into it, whatever it might be, right? There's no judgment here about why people choose to get divorced uh, or why someone feels they need to relieve a relationship. But a woman has decided I'm getting divorced or their partner is divorcing them, right? Or breaking up and they had joint finances or just, you know, some fi financial cohabitation. What does one need to do to get financially organized before or while the divorce proceedings are happening? So this is a big one too. So the best thing to negotiate faster and have less attorney fees is to get financially organized. So that's key. That's one you have to. And the reason and how you do that is you really need to know where the accounts are, even if it's just an overview. Because that is, I'm sure there's so many people listening right now that are thinking about their own financial situation and how they don't know anything. So that 401k or retirement plan of the significant other, do they know? Just like you, Bola, were saying that you didn't know. And so you asked, and do you know where the accounts are, how much is in it? You have to have that organization. So you need to know where things are. And then also the beginning of a budget is really important and I know that that's just a, a word that no one likes to talk about, but there's tools out there. There's people out there to help you. You need to know what you're budgeting 
Because a lot of times what I'm seeing in COVID is people are saying, oh, I just spend 200 bucks, you know, a week on groceries. And then when I actually ask them a few questions, it turns into a thousand because I'm asking, well, you know, you said your daughter has allergies and you have to actually go to a specialty store or you go to Trader Joe's to get organic that adds up. So how much are you actually spending when you say it's 200, it's actually more. And then they are more aware. And that's where you need to start is just get financially organized by knowing where accounts are and really thinking of the overview of your budget. Don't make it scary. Don't make it too intense. Don't do too much. Do the little, little basics first. And as you're going through that thought of getting divorced, you just need to get organized with knowing where accounts are and also just do the basic budget. Um, another thing is if you can see the accounts in the statements, getting all the, the last few years of statements is really helpful um, because once again, you'll have less attorney fees overall if you're more organized financially. That's a little harder though for most people who have no clue where the accounts are. So start small. And for relationships that are just not ending on a friendly basis or on a basis where they can communicate with each other, let's say one does not know where any of these accounts are, but they know that there are accounts. Are these things that come to light in the divorce proceedings or do you have to hire a private investigator? <laughs> what do you good, do? <laughs> good question. So my best piece of advice here is when you're thinking and contemplating of divorce, you don't know where the accounts are and you're scared to try to find them. You don't even know where to go. You need to talk to a professional and that person starts with either a mediator or a divorce attorney. So there's two different types of people that you can go to, to get that professional help and ask how to actually get where you need to go in the divorce proceedings. And a mediator is going to be more collaborative, more neutral. They're going to help both of you try to work out your finances in a divorce amicably, where it's just an easier type of divorce. If you both can communicate, if on the other side, you just have no clue where the accounts are, you don't think you can talk to him or her, and you really just don't have that relationship that you can talk about anything at this point, and you're going to get a divorce, you need to find the right a divorce attorney who can be just your advocate. And then the other person in the relationship will get their other attorney. So either get a collaborative mediator and talk to them about what to do if you don't know where accounts are, and they'll get the right people involved, like a person like me, divorce analyst to help you, or get a divorce attorney, they'll help you out with what next as well. So it's more getting your divorce attorney in place and they'll tell you the direction because they might need to get a court order. They might need to get a private investigator, but let's just start small and say, look and find out who you need to talk to first, which is the divorce team. Mm -hmm. And just going back to what you had said earlier about having a budget, I think that's so important for anyone who is thinking about divorce, navigating a divorce, or even if you're now on the other side of it, you know, divorce is a major life transition. Essentially, you're going to be starting over and that's starting over is not a bad thing because it now gives you opportunity to reflect and plan and your budget is your plan, right? So it could be knowing that you're going to be moving out or you're going to be taking on the expenses in your home if your partner moves out what is that going to cost you tying that back to your income thinking about okay do I need to cut back on my budget how do I increase my income do I need to start a side hustle do I need to move all these different factors by laying out your budget can help you start to get clear and as Olivia has just constantly said throughout this episode is 
getting professional help, whether it's legal help, whether it's financial help, whether it's mental and emotional help, get the help, right, if you need it. Um, because your well-being and walking away from whatever situation with your integrity is so, so important. Exactly. And another thing just to add is if someone is listening saying, I can't afford the most expensive attorney or professional, or I can't, you know, whatever you may be in a situation, there is tons of resources for free online. That is huge to know during divorce, thinking of divorce, or even if you're just trying to help your relationship in the financial situation, there's so much stuff online. So um, I have plenty of resources of where you can go that are not going to cost you anything. That's, that's a whole nother topic. So Olivia, we, we've talked about kind of like the walking away, uh, starting over the divorce aspect, but let's kind of come back to the financial conflict. And I'd love for you to share some advice with a woman who's listening to this, who is maybe navigating financial conflict with her relationship, but she wants to save her relationship. And it could be conflict, um, you know, with a partner that's maybe participating in financial discussions and conversations, but there's just this one thing that they cannot agree upon, or it could be just conflict with a partner who's just not absolutely not on board with saving or paying off debt, just spending and derailing the whole plan. Um, what advice would you give someone listening in those two scenarios to just help them work through this in order to save their relationship and not lead to a divorce? Yes. I like this conversation because there is ways to do this. You really, I think starting out having fun and making it small conversations is key. It's critical. It's vital. Really making it not a unpleasant experience because you're more likely with habits and behavioral finance and all these studies to do something over and over if you make it pleasurable and fun. So how you can do that is if you are going to talk with your significant other about a very uncomfortable conversation like finance and budgeting, make it on a Friday night, make it a date night and only like have your timer set where it's only 15 minutes you start and you just go over three things about your budget. And maybe that's just your non-negotiables, your non-discretionaries, you know, the necessities and what you need. So maybe you just talk for 15 minutes about, Hey, I think that we really need this in our budget, such as the, the non-discretionary, which is maybe your gas in your car, groceries. And that's pretty easy to do for 15 minutes. You both talk about it and that's it. And maybe you do it on a date night where you go somewhere. I know with COVID right now, there's less options, but there is still ways to have fun and make this an experience. So doing it somewhere, whether it's fun, you know, restaurant, coffee shop, park, wherever you can make a fun mixed drink or go out for coffee or, you know, do something where it makes it enjoyable and keep it really short together. Another one is of course, talking with a professional in that experience together, where there's no shame, no insecurity, and you both can talk to someone about where you want to be. Um, and a big thing that I think is, yes, we can talk about the budget all day, but also where are your values? So as a couple, if you both value education, then maybe that budget, you need to be including education for your children because you both really find that as a value. I think it's all about your values and goals. What do you want out of life? Less about, oh yeah, we need to put gas in the car, but why is that important? You know, find the why behind it as well, if you can, and just keep them, keep them short, the conversations. 
I like that. You know, I, I always know when is a good time to have certain kinds of difficult conversations with my spouse. Yes. <laughs> I know when if I bring up the conversation, it's not going to go well. Yep. <laughs> I think he knows that with me too. So it's just figuring that out. Um, you know, for us, it's like when we're laid back on the couch watching TV and we're not really watching anything interesting or we're just having general conversation, that's a great time. Or when we're driving somewhere together and we're, it's always, for us, it's always easy to bring up when we're having general casual conversations um, to talk about money or plans. And I also find that for me and my husband, we're both Aries. So it's like the two types, the two same type of people. <laughs> <laughs> Um, it, you know, if you tell me what I'm going to do, it ain't going to happen. <laughs> and that's exactly how my husband is. And we had to learn that, like, don't tell me what I'm going to do. And I will tell you what you're going to do. So opinion-based <laughs> conversations work really well for us. Like, what do you think about? How about if we did that? What do you think about? And we were constantly doing this back and forth. Well, what do you think? Well, what do you think? No, what do you think? But it works. <laughs> Well, and that's it. You have to find your relationship patterns. And sometimes that does involve talking to either a therapist together by yourself, working out your own things on how do you like to be communicated to, and how do you think you can work together or talking to a financial or money coach? It's all, there's so many options. Just find out what works for you and your relationship so that you can stay strong and stay together long-term. Yes, I agree. You know, and, you know, divorce, like we said at the beginning, is a top, I mean, money is a top reason why people get divorced. But, you know, if you want to keep your relationship, you, you, you love your life together. And this is just one issue that you want to work through. You can, you have to be intentional. You have to give it energy and you have to figure out ways um, and solutions, both of you, not just you alone, to make it work so that you don't let, you know, your money conflicts lead to divorce. Exactly. So Olivia, thank you so much for coming on to share your amazingness with us. But before I let you go, you have to tell all of us, what is your Clever Girl superpower? <laughs> oh, I think it would have to be time management. I, I hear people always complaining about there's not enough time in a day. And I, I feel like the opposite. I feel like there's so much time all the time in the world. Um, and I get up really early and I very efficient with my time. So that would have to be my superpower. I need help there. Um, I, get <laughs> I help my clients with it. It's wonderful. <laughs> yes, I go to bed just before I need to get up. I don't help myself at all. <laughs> I'm working on it. <laughs> And how can folks who want to learn more about what you do and uh, find those resources that you mentioned, how can they keep in touch with you? Where can they find you? So for resources, recommended podcasts and books, summerhillwealth.com. And then if you are someone who maybe is a stay-at-home mom who doesn't know anything about what's going on in the finances and just have questions, I do have a podcast as well that just is dedicated to educating women with their finances and it's called Divorce for Wealthy Women on all social media um, resources uh, platforms. Thank you so much. We'll be sure to include that information in the show notes. And Olivia, thank you so much for joining us. I appreciate you for being here to share your knowledge with all of us. It's been a pleasure. Thanks for inviting me. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode. And I hope you enjoyed it. If you've loved the episode, but you don't yet subscribe to the podcast, you can do that everywhere you listen to your podcast episodes and head on over to iTunes and leave a review so other amazing women just like you can find this podcast as well. 
Thank you so much for being here and I'll talk to you on the next episode.